episode 29 of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you. Another week of Knicks and NBA hoops. A lot to get to on the show this week. A lot of Knicks talk, a lot of Knicks rumors, a lot of Knicks news. Everything Knicks as we always keep it around here. We try to keep it as straight as we can around these parts. I, I wanted to start off, I, I'm trying to kind of figure out how I want to go through the show today just because you know, the last couple of weeks have been tough for the Knicks. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the West Coast road trip, three games in the last week for the Knicks, two at home, one on the road. The Knicks went one and two. Um, I want to dive into all three of those games in some detail because I did get to go to the Garden for the Heat game. Wanted to dive into a little bit with that and how that could maybe affect free agency. Not me going, but my, well, my why my experience could hopefully lead to things like that going forward. I'll explain a little bit more later on in the show. Um, I want to dive into some of the news going around the Knicks organization as well. Um, including, you know, the Knicks bolstering the roster a little bit. Uh, you know, give some background on the Knicks as far as the move that they made earlier this week. And we'll dive into the future with Mike Miller uh, and things of that nature. I, I've been liking what he's been saying of late in the media. And I want to dive into that as well. Let, let's start with the week that was in Knicks, in the Knicks universe, Knicks land, Knicks nation, however you want to say it. Um, let's start with the with, with the game against the Pelicans. And... I I really liked how. Well, first of all, it, it was a game the Knicks could have easily have won. I I felt like the first half was right there for the taking for the Knicks. They didn't get outplayed. They kept it close. This is a Pelicans team that, you know, again is going to be one of the worst teams in the West. They they could have a, a maybe a run in them, but this is a team that's not very good. They they have some good players, but as a team, they're not very good. Brandon Ingram had a really good game. Um, Lonzo Ball played pretty well, 15 and 11 of those shot, 14 shots from the field. I thought Hayes off the bench, Jackson Hayes was really the difference in this game. 18 points, 10 rebounds and a couple of blocks. I thought him off the bench, uh, was really crucial for this Pelicans win. Knicks never really got going in the second half. It felt like they kept getting pushed back. I mean, listen, the starters played well. Um, I, I thought Taj Gibson had a really good week. He had 19 and 8 in this game. Bobby Portis gave you a, a bit of a stat stuffing night 13, 4, and 5, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, Alfred Payton was phenomenal in the game against the Pelicans. I, I, I remember watching the game. Every time I looked back down at the stats, he had, you know, he, he pushed up the other, another stat to another respectable margin 15 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. And five steals as well. I mean, he wasn't efficient from the field, but man, was he was he fantastic overall in the game. What a great week for Reggie Bullock as well. I, I thought he played really well in the Pelicans game, uh, and I'll get to his performance against the Heat in a second. He had 15 points, three steals, pair of assists and rebounds. Another good week for R.J. Barrett. He was inefficient against the Pelicans, but still got 16 points and nine rebounds. Steals and assists were strong, and... and not the best of weeks from Mitchell Robinson. I'll get to, again, I want to really dive into the heat game just because I got the chance to see it in person in just a second. But 
Mitchell Robinson, I thought, in the Pelicans game, he saw a little bit of a dip, and it kind of led to what we saw against the Heat. Uh, the bench, other than that, I mean, Nilakina was giving you a little bit, seven and four, uh, seven rebounds, excuse me, seven points, four assists. Oh, I thought I thought defensively, again, he wasn't great. He could have been better. Um, and offensively, gave you a little bit, not a lot. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, other than that, not much to write home about for the Knicks. Knicks shot terribly from three in the game. They, I think it was like five of 28, five of 27, something like that. Uh, Knicks took 100 shots in the game against the Pelicans shot 46%. That number that number was a wild number to read. The Knicks as a team took 100 shots. The Pelicans took 86 shots. So the Knicks, shot, the Knicks took 14 more shots than the than the Pelicans and still lost by double figures. Lost by 20 uh, excuse me, excuse 20 by 12 points and never really um never really felt like they were going to win the game. They were never there was never a moment. There was never a moment in a quarter. There was never a stretch where you were thinking, man, maybe the Knicks could maybe go on and win this. It felt like a dud kind of a game, almost like a game we saw under David Fisdale, where the Knicks just did not really come to play. And slowly but surely, the Pelicans kind of put the Knicks out of their misery as the game went along. I was at the Heat game, uh, and it was a heck of a game. Uh, maybe the best NBA game to game I've been to in a while, I have to say, whether it was Knicks or or otherwise. And listen, Miami came in red hot. I know I know that they're not the best team on the road. I think going in they were about a game under 500 on the road. At home they're phenomenal. I think they have they've only lost once maybe all year at home. On the road they struggled, but you know, at the time the Heat had come off a, win, a loss, I should say, at Brooklyn. You're thinking as as I was going to the, the to the game with another friend of mine, we're thinking, man, maybe the Heat are really going to give it to the Knicks because they're trying to bounce back from a tough loss. And it looked like that early on. I thought the first half in that game. By the way, the crowd was phenomenal. The Garden was rocking for a lot of the game, um, especially you know a three thirty start on a weekend. I, I I thought the Garden wouldn't be half full, but I thought we'd be seeing a lot of empty seats. It was jam packed in there. Really impressed uh, with how the Knicks fans continue to show up night in and night out. The crowd was awesome throughout the afternoon. Um, I, I, listen, I thought the first half, Miami, basically any time the Knicks went on a run, Miami was there to quickly extinguish it and then go on a run of their own. I, the first the first two minutes were, were puzzling in the first quarter. The Knicks called a timeout after, I think, three possessions. Miami took a seven to two lead. Boom! Mike Miller calls a timeout. I'm looking. We're looking around. Everyone's looking at each other like, "What the heck was that? Why are we calling a timeout already?" And Mike Miller said after the game, the defense was so bad in the first three possessions. They weren't doing what he was asking them to do. He had to call a timeout right off the bat. So a really bad sign in the first quarter. You know, you have all this time to prepare for this game. The first three possessions are absolutely terrible defensively, and you have to call a timeout. Knicks were shorthanded, to be fair, in this game. Uh, obviously, Wayne Ellington and Alonzo True, coaches' decisions didn't play. Dennis Smith Jr. not available. Frank Nellikina not available. Marcus Morris not available. So the other players really had to step up for this Knicks team. And the third quarter, 
Miami really went on a run. The Knicks kept it close at halftime, and that's kind of what we were hoping for as fans at the game. We just wanted it to be a close game, a good game, a competitive game. You know, I thought in the first half, Julius Randle was terrible. You know, Taj Gibson had a solid first half, um, as did R.J. Barrett. Kevin Knox played well uh, throughout the game, especially in the first half uh, and, and early stages in the third quarter. The Heat took a pretty big lead into the into the fourth. They went on a nice run at the end of the third quarter, and you were kind of feeling, all right, that might be it. The Knicks might not come back from that. Jimmy Butler was Jimmy Butler. He had 25 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Um, Kendrick Nunn was pretty fun to watch, I have to say. Even as a Knicks fan, the kid out of Oakland who also went to Illinois in college, he was phenomenal. 20 points, 31 minutes. He had a wacky-looking dunk as he looked like he was going out of bounds and cocked it back with his left hand and threw it down. That was a crazy-looking dunk. And he played really well. I thought Bam Adebayo was as advertised. Uh, Myers Leonard keeps starting for Miami. It's a little puzzling because uh, I thought Johnson off the bench uh, was really good. James Johnson for Miami. I, I thought easily he could be starting for the team. 19 points in 21 minutes. Myers Leonard really didn't do a whole lot after the first quarter for Miami, but, but Miami's bench is really good. I mean, you look at Tyler Hero, a kid that I've talked about on the show before as a as a prospect kid out of Kentucky, he was really good for a good portion of the game, a great all-around scorer, specifically a great shooter. Duncan Robinson what, didn't have a great night, but you can just see as far as his three-point shooting, there's a reason he starts for Miami. He's really a good young up-and-coming player, a kid out of Michigan that you know really uh, has been having a, a star-studded season just because of how well he can shoot the three-pointer. But I, then the fourth quarter, something changed in the fourth. I, I don't know if it was if if there was a switch that was flipped or if Mike Miller basically just said, "Listen, we got to find a way back into this game, and we need our stars to step up." And Julius Randle in the fourth was unbelievable. He really was. Finished with twenty six points, made huge shots down the stretch. Reggie Bullock was phenomenal. I thought all all game sixteen points. He had four huge three pointers. To help the Knicks come back. And I thought R.J. Barrett played one of his best games as a Nick. You talk about clutch shots, big time stops on the defensive end, efficient from the field, making winning plays. You know, 23 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals. All that's great, but he was making key decisions down the stretch, as was Julius Randle. That made a huge difference in the comeback. And the Knicks outscored Miami 13 points in the fourth quarter. Now, to be fair to Miami, they had two huge chances to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler passed on a wide-open layup, it looked like, from our vantage point. Dumped it down to Bam Adebayo, who was not open. And then ended up being a turnover. And then also another possession where Jimmy Butler basically lost it out of bounds. And that was a huge possession as well. Uh, R.J. Barrett couldn't seal it at the free throw line. I think that was probably his own, the only knock on him on the night was he missed a couple of huge free throws in the game that would have sealed it. Uh, but in the end, uh, the Knicks were able to get one final stop. Bam Adebayo didn't get this three-point shot off in time, although the shot did go in. But because of the defense the Knicks played, Bam Adebayo caught it. The buzzer went off before he even tried to put the ball up. And by the time he released it, it was about a second after the buzzer had sounded. The ball did go in. But obviously, it didn't count. A huge win, I thought, for the Knicks at the time. It felt big. 
uh, inside the garden. It felt like a playoff game inside the garden. And listen, I've been to Barclays for big games. I've been to other arenas around the, you know, up into the Verizon Center, Wells Fargo. Um, you know, there, there's been plenty of games up down the East Coast specifically for the NBA where I've been to big games in those arenas. It doesn't compare to the garden. It just doesn't compare to Madison Square Garden. And, at, you know, you have to think they are, but when Knicks are looking for free agents, they've got to be pushing the garden. They have to be. And it might not be enough. You know, the way it's been going of late with free agents, clearly it's not enough. It's not enough that you can just say, you know, we're playing meaningless games in January and the garden is like a playoff atmosphere. And it was. Miami fans did have a lot of uh, noise inside the garden, but the Knicks fans shut them up time and time again. And, and the Knicks on the court shut them up, which is the most important thing uh, of all. So that was important. Um, the Let's Go Heat chants were ringing out throughout the game. And Nick fans showing the pride that they have were out chanting them, which was great in their own, their own, in their own, uh, you know, in their own, on their own floor, in their own arena. You've got to do that. You've got to show that you are not going to let any fan base come in there and stomp all over. It doesn't matter how bad the team is. You got to show your own respect for your own fandom and your own city and your own team. Love the Nick fans for that. And also just the game down the stretch. It, so much drama late in the game. So many big shots, big defensive stops. I think I think Mike Miller deserves a lot of credit for this win, just based on being able to, you know, keep pushing his team, especially in the fourth quarter. Didn't seem like the Knicks were going to make the comeback, but they were resilient. They pushed Miami back. They gave him a little bit of a couple, a couple of a, little, a couple of sucker punches in the fourth. Miami didn't fully recover. They kept fighting. You know, Miami's a playoff team. They're going to keep fighting. They're going to be in the playoffs this year. But the Knicks were able to knock them out in the final few moments, and Bam had to buy a shot off, and the Knicks pick up probably, you could argue, their best win of the season. So I was lucky enough to be there with a buddy of mine who was another big Knicks fan, and we were thrilled just leaving the garden realizing the Knicks had won a game against a playoff team. I believe it's only the third time this year the Knicks have beaten a playoff team. The other two times were against the Mavericks. So impressive win. Again, Mike Miller deserves a lot of credit. The team Deserves a lot of credit. A couple of performances that I haven't mentioned yet that deserve to get uh, a little bit of love here. Alfred Payton played really well, especially in the second uh, the second half of the second quarter, and I thought late in the fourth, he made a couple of key passes that helped the Knicks offensively, finished with 10 points, 5 dimes, and 2 steals, along with a quattro, 4 of rebounds. And I also thought that uh, Kevin Knox played really well, and Kadeem Allen Again, the guy that doesn't play a lot, 10 points in 17 minutes off the bench, guy that goes up and down a lot of times between the G League and the NBA. I, I was frustrated with him in the first half. I thought he made a couple of really bad decisions in the second quarter. Um, but it was one of those things where he bounced back like the team did in the second half, and he ended up making some big-time plays when the Knicks needed it. He made a big-time three at one point, I believe, as well. So I, I liked what I saw. I really did. I thought the crowd was great. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic in the late stages. The, I mean, even the entertainment that the, the Garden provides, I mean, it's just nothing like any other arena. And I love getting reminded of that every time I go to see the Knicks. It's not often, you know, the tickets are expensive. Team's not very good. Uh, it's not a very good team. So it's, you don't want to go and spend a ton of money, especially for somebody like me that works so much in this business. So it's one of those things where I don't get a chance to go often, but when I do, 
Uh, I really enjoy my experience there. And as a Nick fan, that still means a lot, especially when the team isn't very good. So it's one of those things where it was very exciting, you know, leaving the garden, a lot of Nick fans with a lot of pride. I mean, listen, one thing that I loved is, you know, the buddy I went with was not thrilled. Like, for example, just for this one thing, we'll get to the we'll get to the bad game against the Bucks in a second. But the fans coming in, you, know, you just overhear conversations and a buddy of mine who I was with, you know, didn't love the way certain guys have been playing. He wasn't sold on RJ Barrett, for example. And he kept asking me, what were my thoughts on 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 RJ Barrett's future? And I feel like you might, I said, I even said to him at the time, like before the game, I'm like, you might see him play really well tonight. I think, I mean, he always has that capability of having a huge game. He's just that talented. He's had such a good year, I feel like. He's been the biggest bright spot for the Knicks. And he, he all night long, you know, my buddy kept turning to me and he kept saying, man, you're so right. I mean, this kid is just so naturally good. And he just makes so many other guys look better when he's on the floor and when he's clicking. You know, that was kind of the thing. And he's got so much potential. And it showed uh, at the weekend how good he can be. And played all 40 minutes. Only guy on the floor for the Knicks that played all 40 minutes. He's actually the only, he was only the, he was the only player on both teams to play all 40 minutes. Just shows you how important he is. Whether he's been under Fisdale or under Mike Miller, R.J. Barrett's extremely important to this year's team and going forward. So I was really impressed. I mean, the, the really the one performance that we walked away discouraged with uh, was Mitchell Robinson. I mean, probably one of his worst games as a Nick, and it was disappointing to watch. I mean, he was frustrated throughout the game, never really got into uh, any flow on either end of the floor, uh, basically fouled himself. I didn't, he didn't actually foul out, but he picked up a fifth foul and a ridiculous foul call, uh, a rather ridiculous uh, move by him. Uh, a frustration foul is what is really what I should say. And Mike Miller basically just took him out of the game. He's like, you're not going back in. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. It had to be done. He only made one, he only shot one field goal. He did make it. It was a dunk. Um, Three rebounds, three turnovers, a block, which I couldn't even remember when that happened. And then obviously the two points on the one dunk. Um, We went out for dinner after the game. I just remember talking to, again, a couple people that we were with. And it was just like, you know, one of those things where we just kind of felt like, you know, if if we had to nitpick, you know, it's a win, it's a good team, a playoff team at home, Knicks don't win a lot of games, that kind of a thing. We just kind of said, you know, if we had to say one thing negatively about the game, besides, you know, again, the first half wasn't great, but the Knicks rebounded, I, Mitch Robinson just didn't play well. And he, has, he had a really rough couple of games. He really did. And it was tough to watch. You know, again, just watching how frustrated he was Throughout the game, I mean, that that's kind of why, I mean, I remember a couple of people even saying to me before the game, you know, Mitchell Robinson should be starting, it shouldn't be Taj Gibson. Well, the last week kind of tells you maybe a little bit why Mike Miller's not really going to pull the trigger on that, because Taj Gibson, as old as he is and as frail as he's been at times, he had a really good week this week. I mean, all three games this week, actually two of the three, I should say, two of the three, he was phenomenal. I mean, he played really well. And I thought against the Heat, I mean, he really played well. One of his best games as a Nick. Not saying a whole lot, but he played well. 14-8, and eight, a block, a steal, and an assist. I, I thought he was phenomenal. I mean, as good as you could ask for from a guy as old as he is. And I, I really, you know, in the Heat game specifically. Because listen, in the Bucks game, he was eaten alive. I mean, there's no question about that. 
But in the Pelicans game and the and the, and the Heat game, he gave you something. So I, I enjoyed my experience at the Garden. I'm going to try to go back at least one or two more times this year if I can, hopefully for some bigger games. Um, but for the for the time being, I enjoyed that performance, which which made me a little bit um, just because I was at the game and things like that, made me more positive about where the Knicks are at. I mean, because of the vibe in the garden and, and things like that, you kind of felt like, you know, at least the fan base is in a good place. The garden in general for games, you know, is always still a hot ticket, the place to be. But again, the the next thing that has to be improve is the product on the court. I mean, there's no question about that. So kind of made me feel even a little bit more optimistic going into the Bucks game, although I knew the Knicks would not have any shot of winning the game and that kind of showed especially in the second quarter I, I thought the Knicks were just awful in the second quarter against the Bucks. and listen they hung around in the first quarter um it took a little while for Giannis to get going I felt like at least as far as the offense was concerned but he got going uh, <laughs> in the end uh the Bucks played I think 10 deep or 11 deep was it 10 10 or 11, actually, they played even more than that, I think they played 14 deep in the game, they, I mean, my gosh, everybody that played, I think, played double-digit minutes, let me just count this up real quick, give me a second, here. Go 5, 9, 13, they played 13 deep, that's impressive, uh, the Knicks, I think, played 12 deep, but that's not normal, uh, for the Knicks, Kadeem Allen and, and you know Alonzo Trier and Damian Dotson uh, combined to play 17 minutes. You know that kind of a thing. Everybody on the Bucks bench played at least 10 minutes. I mean that just shows you how deep that bench is. And again, considering who's off, I mean Kyle Korver, Pat Connaughton, Dante Divincenzo, Grant Hill, Ursan Ilyasova. You look at DJ Wilson. You know th- there's plenty of guys that that they can bring off the. I mean you know you look at. Uh, not only Ursan Ilyasova, Sterling Brown chipped in with seven and four rebounds. I mean, these guys are all coming on the floor and giving you something off the bench. You know, the Knicks, you know, didn't get a ton off the bench from a, from a number of those guys. I mean, Wayne Ellington, uh, Alonzo Trier, Damian Dotson all combined for four points. Now, to be fair, Kadeem Allen gave you another nine off the bench. Mitchell Robinson had a slightly better game. Didn't still didn't play great, but had a better night against the Bucks. So the, again, the bar was really low. Um, Kevin Knox kind of reverted back to what we've been seeing, which has been a less aggressive Knox. He still had 10 points. Bobby Portis finally woke back up again. He had 20 and eight rebounds, but it really was the starters that really struggled. And first time in a while that I really thought Alfred Payton didn't play well. And that's been, we haven't said that in about a month with him. I mean, he's been playing so well for the Knicks. I mean, this game was really bad from him. I thought he really struggled for most of the night. Reggie Bullock, after having a couple of really good games, had probably his worst game as a Nick. Uh, another good game at R.J. Barrett. Again, he's had a really nice week, kind of rebounding after a couple of tough games. So I thought he was back to where we are expecting him to be. And Julius Randle was a monster for 40 minutes. I mean, he was really, really, uh, really, really good. And I, I, I thought he played his tail off, uh, 25 and 15, 10 of 20 from the field throwing three assists. I mean, he should be doing that almost every night. I mean, he, he's that good. So I was I was loving that, but bottom line is the Bucks are the best team in the NBA, at least in on the East, that's for sure. And Giannis was Giannis, 37-9-4. I mean, they're just incredible stats. And then Chris Middleton chipped in with 17, and then Ursan Ilyasova had 14 off the bench, and Eric Bledsoe, I thought, had another 
solid game, 11 and six with three dimes. So Bucks, you know, outplayed the Knicks. I mean, it was, it was as expected. You know, the game was over going into the fourth. That was the only quarter the Knicks won. And it was really the second and the third quarter. I mean, that was the bottom line that the, I think the Bucks almost doubled up the Knicks in the second quarter. And he kind of went into halftime thinking, all right, uh, this game's over. Um, watched most of the third. And I, th- I think I probably tuned out uh, midway through the fourth uh, when the game was pretty much decided and there was some college hoops on I had to do for work. So I started to dive in to that. So just one of those things where, again, I overall, uh, pretty middle of the road week for the Knicks. I mean, the Heat win kind of, you know, at least as far as week Thursday to Thursday for the podcasts, you know, as, as far as the podcast is concerned, the Thursday to Thursday that week, those three games, again, I, I probably I give the... I don't want to grade every week. I haven't graded any week so far. I'd, I'd probably give them. I'd probably give the Knicks a C only because of that win over the Heat. If that, if you know, if Eric, if excuse, excuse me, if Bam Adebayo makes that wild three point shot and, the, and Miami wins in overtime, it, it's an F week. But the Knicks get a big win over a playoff team during you know really a tough stretch in the schedule. I mean, keep that in mind as well. You know, again, as bad as the Knicks have been all year, this is one of the toughest stretches they have on the schedule. I mean, four straight on the road on the West Coast. Pelicans at home, Heat at home, Bucks on the road. That's a tough seven-game stretch. So give the Knicks credit for fighting back. They did really well in that Heat game. I think that's the biggest plus you can take out of the week. I think going forward, there's you know a lot to look at. You know, we'll talk about trades and things like that. But it'll be interesting to see how the Knicks do, you know, going forward. We'll dive into the schedule going forward later on in the show. But when we come back from the break, I want to talk more on Mike Miller, more Knicks news from the last week. And we'll dive into how we think the Knicks are going to do going forward with another tough stretch of games coming up and Mike Miller's future as well on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, I want to dive into some of the Knicks news from the past week. Uh, first of all, let's go into the roster move that the Knicks made first. It was a couple of days ago, I believe. Um, the Knicks decided to get rid of Ivan Rab. They decided to waive him, uh, which I think was an interesting move. And later ended up signing Kenny Wooten to a two-way contract. This was a kid that the Knicks kind of had on their radar earlier in the season and they decided to get, you know to wave Ivan Rab a kid that I you know doesn't have a ton of potential you know a kid that has never really progressed like he should have even in college when he was at Cal Berkeley was a good player in college but never really under Quanzo Martin never really got to where they thought he was going to go and again because of his size his his ball handling and and his his good play at times he's stuck around in the pros so far but yeah, I think the Knicks at, at at some point had to realize, you know, they have to try and get somebody better in there. Kenny Wooten's a heck of a player, at least from college. A really good defender, pretty big, athletic, can jump out of the gym. Um, an interesting addition. I think the Knicks can feel like they're at least a little bit more excited than uh, with Kenny Wooten than with Ivan Rabb. And just looking at it, Ivan Rabb's numbers with the G League squad, not great. Wooten was a, was a, was an all defensive selection in the Pac-12 twice when he was in college. Went undrafted last season. Did play for the Knicks during the summer league, and you know showed enough 
in the G League to warrant another look. And the kid's 21 years old. And, you know, so far in the G League, they have his G League numbers here on, on Bleacher Report. 21-year-old has 7.8 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, and over three blocks per game. Now, the only, I mean, again, the only thing here, now listen, because he'll mostly likely, he'll most likely play a lot of his games in the G League, it's probably, they're just, they're just probably thinking this is an upgrade at the big man position from Rab to Wooten for the Westchester Knicks. So that keep that in mind as far as, you know, the too many bigs conversation. This is not really a, a Knicks kind of move. This is more for Westchester than for New York. So it's one of those things where they just want a better big down there. And if somebody gets hurt up here or Mitchell Robinson stops playing, or, or rather, you know, goes through a couple weeks where he's playing like he's playing right now, like that kind of a thing, you have Kenny Wooten who you could possibly bring up to maybe give you some time off the bench. That kind of a move. It's not really you know, a Knicks kind of move. And I'm sure a lot of you know that, but I want to, revert, you know, kind of reiterate that for those that just saw the move and were like, well, how's this going to affect the Knicks? It doesn't really affect the Knicks a lot, but it could at some point this season because it is a long season and you never know what could happen. Um, going forward here, I want to talk a little bit about Mike Miller. And I've been going back and forth with people on Mike Miller for weeks now, really. I mean, a lot of people love talking to me about the Knicks uh, and love that, you know, they'll either listen to the show or they'll see my posts on my Twitter account at SJ7. And they'll be asking me Nick questions left and right. And they want to know what my thoughts are on different things and and all of that. And, and, and the most, I mean, obviously, as you guys know, because you love hitting me up about Frank Nilakina, Nilakina is normally the first question I get. And then the second question is normally Mike Miller. And you know, can this guy be the guy for the future? And I've said this from the get-go. I, I, I don't think he's the guy. And I, I know that the Knicks have won more games under him than they won under Fizdale. You know, that he's Fizdale won four games. And in four, he went 4-18, four, four I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. 7-12 and 12, uh, has been the record under Mike Miller. Obviously, I can't argue with that. It's a much improved record. There's no question about that. The Knicks are now closer to being on track to getting where we thought they might get this year, which is somewhere close to 30 wins. It's now possible because of the last 20-game stretch, or 19-game stretch that Mike Miller has brought this team on. They're, they're certainly on track to well uh, well beat the record from last year that the Knicks had, which was 17-65. and 65. So that's the good news. The bad news is, is I don't, well, not the bad news, but the bad, the, the, the devil's advocate for those that love Mike Miller more than David Fisdale is I don't think Mike Miller, how should I say this? I don't think that David Fisdale, I'm mixing it up here. David Fisdale would have probably figured it out like Mike Miller has, in my opinion. I know that you don't like his in-game coaching. I'm not arguing with you about that. I just don't think Mike Miller's doing that much different on the floor. I know he switched up a couple of things. The biggest thing he switched up was starting Alfred Payton over Frank Nilakina. Then I'm going to get the Nilakina people on me and things like that. You know, he still hasn't started Mitchell Robinson. I think a lot of people have been a little discouraged about that. But when we've seen it, some of the games of late, I think you understand maybe why Mike Miller's been afraid to do that. And he'll go with the veteran Taj Gibson because they want to win games. And he'll find that starting Taj Gibson is, you know, gives the Knicks a better chance to win. But 
I still think that David Fisdale got a raw deal. And I said this to a number of people at the Garden uh, over the weekend. I just don't think that Mike Miller is doing anything out of the ordinary from what David Fisdale is doing. Now, what what David Fisdale did. Now, here's the part where my, you know, here's the biggest comeback you can have for my argument. He's won more games in a shorter amount of time. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I still hold that David, at some point, David Fisdale would have figured it out. They, the Knicks weren't having it. They needed to start winning games. I, I I get that part of it. But again, as far as the plan, as far as what David Fisdale was doing, I think at some point it would have led to wins. And I think it's in to some degree, Mike Miller is paying or is is getting is reaping the benefits of David Fisdale's hard work in some regard of developing some of these younger players. However, he has made some changes as far as the the roster and the personnel as far as the lineups and who goes out in you know the first team, the second team, off the bench, and he's controlled minutes relatively well. The one thing that he has to work on, and Mike Miller has said this, I believe, to the media, is something that David Fisdale couldn't do and that Mike Miller still hasn't been able to do, which is find consistency with this team on the defensive end of the floor. It's not there. It's not there. And you can argue it's not there on the offensive end of the floor either i mean even the game against the heat that i got to see live so many times i mean that we're just looking at i mean there's a row that i was in a ton of diehard nick fans in the row with us and there was just some possessions where we're just looking around at each other we're just like what the heck was that like what did we even run anything there you know what who's who's supposed to be taking these shots not moving the ball i mean there was at least two or three times down the floor where Julius Randle's got the ball. He's looking around. Nobody's moving on the floor. He's just waiting for somebody to move. And at some point, he's just got to say to himself, all right, I got to take the shot. I mean, no, nobody's doing anything on the offensive end of the floor. Now, the good news is I, I think that this is getting better. The Knicks are getting better as a team. The numbers back that up. The record backs that up. Mike Miller even said so at practice on Wednesday. And again, he's part of that, but I also think that the Knicks probably would have been here roughly where they are now with David Fisdale if they kept him. I believe that. You don't have to believe that. You can you can fall for the trap and just look at the numbers. But I think the Knicks were getting better towards the end. Now they weren't winning games. That's the problem. And if you want to put that back in my face, I don't I'm not gonna argue with you. The Knicks weren't winning enough games under David Fisdale. And in the end, it is a it is a results business and i've said that from the get-go that was the biggest um talking point that i agreed with as far as the firing but the thing is is that i still feel i mean mike miller's not doing magic acts here it's the same group of players he's just tweaked the roster a little bit and to be fair you know i think part of it's just because it's a new face a new guy and they're playing for him right now because they're trying to you know kind of get things back on track for his sake, just to try to keep a coach hanging around for, for some period of time in New York. So for now, I, I like what I've seen. 7-12 is good over the last 19 games, especially during this really tough stretch. The problem is the Knicks need to get way more consistent. I mean, that's that's the thing. That's the problem. I mean, that's the thing that just hasn't been happening under Fisdale or under Mike Miller, and you can't argue that. I mean, you just can't argue that. David Fisdale couldn't figure out the consistency for four quarters. Mike Miller has not been able to do it either. It just hasn't happened. 
And, and that's what he's looking for out of this squad. I mean, that's the next step. The good news is, I mean, under Fisdale and under Mike Miller, I mean, R.J. Barrett's been really good this year. He's been, he's been so good. It, it's been really impressive to watch. They add Kenny Wooten this week. You know, I, I like what he could bring to the table. I just don't think he's going to play a lot for the Knicks. He'll just be in Westchester. I really believe that. That's the only thing. And I'm sure Wooten, I read a quote from him earlier this week. He's he's over the moon because he gets a chance to maybe be in the NBA. But keep in mind, you know, the Knicks have so many bigs. I mean, the kid's not going to play. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Unless, unless guys get hurt or Mitchell Robinson... Stinks up the joint for a couple of weeks. Like, this kid's not going to play with the Knicks. He's, he's going to be in the G League. And you'll get chances to see flourishes of him there. And I think he'll be good there. So, you know, they're, they're talking about him. But, you know, Kenny Wooten's not going to do anything for this Knicks team. That's the bottom line. The other thing that, that's going to help the Knicks, and again, this, this is something that people forget about David Fisdale's tenure with all the injuries that he was dealing with. Now, to be fair, Mike Miller's still dealing with these injuries, too. So you got to give him credit for that. But Marcus Morris is still, you know, questionable. Frank Nilakina, questionable. Dennis Smith's been out with an oblique. Now, I still don't think the team's that much better with all three of those guys healthy. Dennis Smith's not been good. You know, you add Marcus Morris back, that's going to be a big addition. Frank Nilakina's not been good at times. I mean, I've been saying that all year. And then Dennis Smith Jr.'s been bad for most of the season when he's played. So there's a lot, you know, a lot to look at as far as the Knicks going forward. That, you know, a lot of question marks. I mean, look at the you look at the upcoming schedule. And I feel like we've been beating a drum on this show at times with this. But there's winnable games out there that the Knicks need to take advantage of. And it's about consistency down the stretch. Can Mike Miller figure that out? Because if we're talking long-term coaches right now, I mean, I don't know who's out there. You know, that's another thing I kept getting asked over the last week is, who do you think would take this job? And I've talked about it on the show before. And I think if the Knicks, if the Knicks had their choice, if the Knicks, which they won't, by the way, but if they, in a perfect world, the Knicks could just wave a magic wand and, and whoever they asked to do it would do it. I think Mark Jackson's got to be at the top of your list. And then I'd probably go to Jeff Van Gundy after that. But I don't, I don't think either of them would want the job, and I certainly don't think Tom Thibodeau wants this job. I think he'd be nuts to take it. I honestly, I think the Knicks would be nuts to give it to him. I think they'd be nuts to give it to him. So it's one of those things where you got to try to find the right guy, but who wants the job? I mean, that we keep coming back to that. And, you know, right now, you gotta, you got a coach in Mike Miller that's living the dream right now. Being the coach of an NBA team, specifically the Knicks, for a coach like that, it's a dream come true. It's a dream come true to be in the position that Mike Miller is in right now. And, you know, 19 games, 7 wins. You know, the stats are helping him out here so far. But at some point this year, the Knicks will have a decision to make. Whether it's because Mike Miller is not getting the team to play well anymore or it's the end of the season. The Knicks have won maybe 25, 30 games. And you have to be like, all right, we still now what do we do to make the next step? What do we do? What's what? What's the next step? And we keep looking far down the road, but 
you know, at some point, it can't be like this night in and night out where the Knicks are not in some of these games. And they're picking up one win a week. You know, the Knicks have, you know, again, big picture here. The Knicks have lost six of their last seven games, folks. Keep that in mind. Now, again, five of those games are on the road. But, you know, the Pelicans coming to town, you should be beating the Pelicans. They're not a world-beating team this year. They still don't have Zion Williamson. You should be beating that team. So, again, things that you need to keep in mind going forward with this Knicks team. I'll be interested to see. I mean, Phoenix next. That uh, You guys will know the result by the time the show goes out. I'm getting ready for that after this show finishes recording. Then it's Philly on Saturday, Cleveland on the road, and then it's the Lakers at the Garden on Wednesday before Toronto comes into town and then Brooklyn comes into town. Three big games at the Garden in a row before they go to Charlotte, then Memphis comes to town, and then February kicks up with four out of five on the road, but all five of those games, maybe aside from the Indiana game, winnable games for the Knicks. So we'll have to see what happens going forward. The schedule is starting to get a little bit lighter, so we'll see how the Knicks do in the weeks ahead. Thanks, as always, for listening to the show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at St. J7. Posting at ToastingPodcast.com. It's a place to go to comment on the show. You can subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a good rating and a review there. And until then, I will see you guys next time on the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.